0: Hi, and welcome back to The Fireside with me, Jim. I'm really happy you decided to join me today for another Toasted Tale. If, like me, you enjoy hearing stories, then you've come to the right place. I think there's interesting stories in every subject, just waiting to be found and shared. In this podcast, we're going to take a random subject and use it as a seed to do some research for one short hour And in that time, I'll do my best to find a story that hopefully I, and you, will find enjoyable. So let's bring in the Wheel of Fortune style spinner, and find out what today's subject will be. Right, okay, so today it's landed on Lever van Houth. Now just for clarity, I am no expert on Lever van Houth. I have never met her, and I haven't before looked into her works or accomplishments. I'm just a guy who likes finding interesting stories and learning a thing or two along the way. So, as like I usually try to do, I've already done the one hour's research and I'm really interested to share with you what I found. So first, I want to talk about commentary and how through commentary We all hold a mirror to society and the world. In our age of social media and the internet, you can't help but stumble upon somebody's opinion on something everywhere. Wherever you turn, there'll be a blog, there'll be a vlog, there'll be a podcast, providing commentary on life. And arguably, that's how many of us view the world today. The world is full of creators, making things, taking inspiration from the world and life, society, and putting their spin on things to create content. And when I say content, you can take quite a broad view of that. Yet, sure, it may be a painting of a lovely meadow, it may be a work of um, musical genius, or it may just be something as simple as two people having a conversation on a subject that matters to them. Everything that humans do in relation to the planet, whether it's just perceiving what we see, whether it's creating something as individuals, or whether it's trying to come up with unique thoughts, philosophical debate, and everything we do can be viewed as a reflection of the world as it exists. And everything we do see that has a creator, has a builder, has a maker of some kind. We are seeing their reflection, their interpretation of the thing they are making. And what I mean by that is, in the same way that you get different architects making different buildings, you get different art styles, you get different ways people talk, dress, act. They're all ways that internally we have decided to live our lives in the world that we inhabit. There is something intrinsically human about doing this. We've done it forever. Humans have been validating themselves and the world in turn ever since we first started making changes to the planet. One of the earliest pieces of art that we've been able to find goes back hundreds of thousands of years. Now when you're looking back that far, historians can have quite big estimations of how long ago it may have been made. So when I say that this piece of art they found was made sometime between 290,000 and 700,000 BCE, maybe you get an idea of how far back this was. What they found was a rock capsule which is carved out of hard quartzite and are called the Binteta and Daraki Chatan petroglyphs. Now, cupules are really simple. They're just little grooves, little, almost like a pit or a hollow that's carved into hard rock. And the only reason we really know about these, because they haven't got kind of really fancy, delicate bits, they're so simple that they've been able to survive this long. Now a small groove or hollow may not tell us much, but it tells us that there were people around that time who wanted to change their environment, who wanted to impact where they were, show others they'd been there, make change. And that is one of the most human things that we can all connect to, wanting to make an impact, make a difference. Now, of course, our expressiveness has become more sophisticated over the years. We've moved on from just doing little grooves in rocks. It is interesting that a great deal of ancient artwork that we've been able to hold on to over the last few thousands of years still is rock carvings of some kind, like sculptures, busts of great emperors and important folk. But as we get closer to modern times, we are more likely to have evidence and copies of art and expression that are on more delicate forms. For example, writings and paint artwork, lyrics to songs and chants, that kind of thing. Time, natural disasters and other human actions Unfortunately, fortunately mean that voices from the past get lost. It pains me to think sometimes of all the work, the opinions, the perspectives of people who have written hundreds and thousands of years ago, and just through no fault of their own, have been lost to time, to war. There's a great quote by the American psychiatrist Irvin Yalom, which I'd love to read for you now because I think it and it hits quite well. Quote, Someday soon, perhaps in 40 years, there'll be no one alive who has ever known me. That's when I will be truly dead, when I exist in no one's memory. I thought a lot about how someone very old is the last living individual to have known some person or cluster of people. When that person dies, the whole cluster dies too, it vanishes from living memory, I wonder who that person will be for me whose death will make me truly dead." End quote. I really like that. And I think it can be applied to historical evidence of people living their lives, letters sent to loved ones talking about what's going on in society, and I wonder how many second deaths there have been, where they may have died thousands of years ago, But then, the bits they left behind, sometimes may randomly be made to disappear, and lost to the world. All that knowledge is just made non-existent. It actually physically pains me to think about how much has been lost over time. The past can appear very different from the world we live in now. It can be more violent, harsher, and in some ways, very alien. It wouldn't be difficult to think that the people who existed in these times were anything but human and you'd be forgiven for not wanting to relate to them and the way that they acted in some ways. The backward views that you hear feel so out of place that it's tricky to emotionally connect with these people. People who may have sent thousands of slaves down mines, brutally killed whole societies. And this wasn't like from a drone, this was up close, with spear and sword. Or other people who would have packed themselves into arenas to watch men fight and kill one another for the amusement of all. From a modern standpoint, it's easy to kind of distance ourselves from that, but I do wonder whether we're so different. Would you be so brutal in the same situation? The uncomfortable truth is that oftentimes people are products of their time, the social pressures that exist and what is permissible or outlawed when they were alive. And this of course goes for the good times and bad times and it's a very important reason that we keep progressing as a world for a more positive future for if more positive societies produce better humans then that truly is better for all and also something that we can all impact on. Understanding this really focuses the importance of looking back at our ancestors perspectives to see the amazing lives they led, to gather insight about their daily choices and how they faced the world, and it may have been a different world, but when you read accounts, commentaries of how things were, you see that there were there are parts that are similar. The people they you see like glimmers of connection, human connection, where you're like, wow, okay, I can imagine me doing that. You see someone in ancient Roman times who is just talking about how they love their family or they're unhappy that a business deal went bad or they're worried about someone who's far off in the empire and you go, well my goodness, I would be feeling similar things but then you get completely other things that really show how different it is as a world so it's important to understand because if humans are a product of their environment then we should see what environments people have been in so we can know how they reacted and we can use that as a guide stick to live the lives we want. So how does Lieve van Helf come into this story? Well, she's a Belgian classical scholar specialising in the socio-political role of the Greek and Latin literature of the Roman Empire. Now, that's a lot, but when I saw this, when we spanned the wheel today, it got me really excited. I read a little bit on her, just to kind of get my feel for it, which is which is what I do for, one, for these subjects, and most of the time, it's a subject I have no idea about. Now, in college, I studied the ancient Roman Empire, to a much lower level than the Lever, but I, I, I recognize some historical names. I was like, oh my god, here we are. I I like history. If you've listened to any of these podcasts, you'll know that I am a fan. And I thought, wow, okay. This lady knows a lot about ancient history. She is a research professor at the University of Ghent in Belgium. And when I was reading the lists of her works, her thesis, and other publications, there were subjects there that... I wouldn't have even thought to research if that was my job full-time. It's quite fascinating when people get to that level of understanding of a subject. They find things to do real in-depth research on that most people wouldn't even think of. And I guess that's, again, the understanding that if you really learn a lot about something, you truly realize how little you know. And the less you know about something, the bigger the tendency is that you may start to believe that you're some kind of expert on the subject you're discussing which is a trap that we can all fall into occasionally But Lever looks and specializes, you could say, in the ancient commentators and the people she looks at were around the time of one of the most fascinating historical empires these empires were the Roman Empire, of course there was so much going on in this time period, so many important people making the sort of decisions that most people never get to make, ones that change the course of history. And studying the Roman Empire is fascinating, but it can also be very dense. You can you can get lost. If you want to look into the Roman Empire, you can get lost in that subject. In Lever's work, there is a great look into the important skills of the time these being lobbying, oratory pursuits and rhetoric. Now you could argue that these are very important now but back in the day they were one of the defining skills if you wanted to make it big and have a successful political career then you'd need to learn how to lobby correctly and at the very basics It's the ability to get those with the power to do the things you want. Getting them to do the things you want them to do. A very primal problem that we face now. But one that through the research that Lever has done from these important figures in ancient Rome, we can see this struggle from a completely different perspective from a completely different time. And as I previously mentioned, there aren't many bigger stages than an empire to look at, and not many more interesting empires than the Roman one. And through Leavers' work, we can get real insights into some of the lives of the important people who lived, and the historical events they lived through on one of these biggest of stages. Two of the works she's most well-known for are on two men, Plutarch and Libanius. Her publication on Plutarch is called Plutarch's Practical Ethics, The Social Dynamics of Philosophy, which was released in 2010. And on Libanius, it's Libanius, A Critical Introduction, 2014. You could say that these two men were both commentators, in their own right, living a long time ago. They wrote, they gave speeches, they created letters that they sent to friends, they gave advice. You could say they're also philosophers, historians and teachers. They impacted the worlds they lived in. And even though there is a lot of information to go into in Rome and the history of that empire, It's still less than you may possibly want and there are gaps all over the place, as there is in history all the time. But the reason we're even able to know about the Roman Empire is because of people like Plutarch and Libanius who wrote stuff down and talked about their lives and what life was like during this time. When I was doing the research, it reminded me of the old thought experiment. If a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? And you could say the same about history. If a tree falls, crashing down, then it will make a noise. But if there is no one to hear it, does it matter? Has it had the impact that maybe the action of falling down deserves? And that is of course the same with historical events. We know, logically, stuff happened in the past. There were great men, great women, empires, people of all rank and file who lived entire lives. But if there's no record of it, then once those times move on, once those people die, how is there any way of holding on to that past? Did it even happen? can't prove it then... well that's the thought experiment isn't it? Yes it did but does it matter? Thankfully in the case of Plutarch and Libanius their works have survived and they've been influential enough to be looked at critically by historians like Liva. and even though I wasn't able to read deeply into the books she's written on these two men In the time I gave myself, I was able to get a really great insight into what the books go into, and the choices and decisions that were made by these men, and what they had to face during their lives. Looking first then on Livre's Plutarch's Practical Ethics. In this book, it's a study of the 20-odd texts within the work of Plutarch's Morala, designed to help powerful Greeks and Romans manage their ambitions and society's expectations successfully. The second Sophistic Period between 60 and 250 AD is a literary and historical term referring to the Greek writers who flourished from the reign of Nero until 230 AD. And this was a time of Intense competition in Roman society for honour and status. It's not like that's changed much today. A lot of people put great focus onto their standings in life, and as we see today, during the time in the Roman Empire, the physical and mental stress of striving to achieve success in politics and Roman society had deeply negative effects on its people. And so, Plutarch's practical ethics was a attempt, maybe, to provide a guidebook from Plutarch's opinion on how to remedy these issues, how the best of the best can deal with the stress and pressures they put upon themselves, and how successfully to succeed in society. Lever also does analysis on the underlying principles of Plutarch's ethics and these include who the author was targeting when writing this, who his target audience was, and includes various therapeutic practices and self-presentation exercises that were given by Plutarch to his audience. And as for Libanius, A Critical Introduction, This book brings the life of Libanius, the influential social figure, professor in Greek rhetoric, and frequent letter writer to various emperors and other powerful Romans to life. While remaining genuinely understudied due to the daunting task to access his large and only partially translated collections of works, the publications that have survived include around 1,600 letters, 64 judicial, deliberative and epideictic speeches, and 96 rhetorical exercises. Libanius was born of a once influential, deeply cultured family from Antioch, that since had declined by the time he was writing. During his life he remained a pagan Greek even during the rise of Christian popularity. And argued greatly with the powers that be in Rome's hierarchies against the destruction of pagan temples and properties. These speeches often went to the top, directly petitioning the emperor. The ability to get your voice to the highest and most powerful people in the land not only showed power from Libanius, but also his popularity among his peers. We only know about the lives of Plutarch and Libanius through their writings, through their commentary, through them reflecting the events of their time. It's also important to recognize how critical people like Lieve van Houth are in being the other end of the historical telephone. The people able to look through these works, and decipher what they wrote and pull meaning and the story, the threads of time from their writings. And so you could argue that Lever is a commentator herself. A commentator on commentaries written nearly two thousand years ago. Breathing new life into voices and perspectives of a society long dead. Without Lever and other historians, these stories may be either too inaccessible for most, or would eventually pass into obscurity and be lost forever. That's why it's so important to commentate on life, and reflect what we have right in front of us now. It makes me smile thinking that In nearly 2,000 years, we may have historians looking back on our time. They'd have a lot more to talk about now. We've got a lot of stuff on the internet for all of us. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, I guess time will tell. But making content adds more threads to the story. The human story. And don't misunderstand me in thinking this has to be artistic content. It can be anything. For example, flying a plane building furniture, selling software, or even working for a housing association. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're doing something, and bringing the stories from the past to the present, like Lever Van Hout's work, is important to ensuring the parts of our human story, played by our early ancestors, are never forgotten. Thank you so much for spending time with me today around the fireside. I hope you enjoyed learning a bit about Lieve van Hout as much as I enjoyed researching her. If you did enjoy listening to this podcast and find yourself surrounded by family and friends around your own fireside soon, then please let them know where they can find us. After all, there's always more space around the fire, If you'd like to join me again for another story around the fireside, then I'll be back here every Tuesday and Thursday. It'll be great to speak with you again. I hope you all have a lovely rest of day, and I'll speak to you all again soon for another Toasted Tale Around the Fireside.